Hello, hello, friends. How's it going? Happy early December. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Sarah Bueno. This is Conversations with a Wounded Healer. I wanted to let you know, if you haven't heard yet, there's this thing called Patreon.com. And we happen to be on there. As many of you may already know, podcasting is free for you, but it's not free for me. This should cost money. And I would love to invite you uh, this holiday season, if you want to give me a little gift, to donate on Patreon. And folks have asked me before if you can do a one-time donation. And and the way that the platform is set up, you can't sign up to do a one-time donation. But psst, you know, I like to not go by the rules often. And one of the things you could probably do is set one up, let it come out of your account, and then terminate it and don't do it again. And that's cool. I'm totally fine with that. <laughs> so that's the invitation for this holiday season. If you so wish to bestow any gifts upon me, I would be ever so grateful as it will contribute to, to more material that we do in the future. So today's guest, I'm very excited about. She and I work in Chicago and have been Facebook friends for a while and have been mutual admirers of each other's work. And so it was really wonderful to finally sit down with her and to be able to learn more about her. Her name is Erica Hornthal, and she is a licensed clinical professional counselor and board certified dance movement therapist in Chicago. Erica is the CEO of Chicago Dance Therapy. And in addition to private practice, she's dedicated dedicated to advancing and educating people on the use of movement for mental health. Erica is a media expert and has been featured on local television, radio, as well as national publications. So please enjoy my interview with Erica Hornthal. Erica, welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer. How are you? Great. How are you? I'm okay. It's been a week. Oh, yeah. And it starts all <laughs> I over heard that tomorrow. Sigh. <laughs> I heard, it, you know what? It never ends. I mean, right? When you own your own business, right. like I work on Saturdays, Sundays all the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Well, I'm really excited for you to be here today. And we've only met once in person, right? Or did we meet? before that I remember the she recovers yeah. event we met I don't remember it might have been the she recovers event I feel like our paths have probably crossed before that yeah but I don't know if we ever actually got to officially meet so yeah yeah and we've never really gotten to talk very much so we get to dig into all the fun things today but I, I see you're out there killing it really really like advocating for dance movement therapy in a way that's mm -hmm. so awesome Thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, I think, you know, it's always difficult with social media because <laughs> we get a very limited picture, right? So yeah, I think people who interact with me and my advocacy see it a lot. And so, <laughs> you know, I try, they do. I mean, I see the people that I continuously follow and search for as well all the time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then I don't see the people that I'm like, oh, we talk all the time on the phone, but huh, I don't even think they're on Facebook. You know, it's like their walls yeah. kind of, you know, because of algorithms and things like that. But yeah, I mean, I think it's constantly an uphill battle, but I'm trying to make movement therapy accessible to everyone and every day just trying to kind of sit with what it means for me and then trying to make it relatable across different genres so that it's not just for dance and it's not just for therapists. But, you know, when people hopefully hear or see the words movement or something about mental health, I've had a lot of people who I'm not necessarily, quote, connected to, you know, or, or new followers, if you will, reach out and say like, wow, that really resonated with me or, oh, where did you get that quote? Mm. 
you know, so for me to be able to say, oh, it's mine, you know, or yeah, I was writing yeah. the it came out, you know, and then for people to say, oh, can I share it? Like, that means a lot because yeah. it's not just staying in one place and it's not just for the field, you know, or the dance therapist, but other people are starting to connect to what that work means. So that's really cool. Let's rewind a little bit and have you really introduce yourself and tell people who you are and what you do and then like really dive into to all these concepts. Sure. Uh, so my name is Erica Hornthal. I am located in Chicago and I started a company about eight and a half years ago called Chicago Dance Therapy. And before I started my company, I received my master's degree in dance movement therapy and counseling from an accredited school in Chicago. And... I always knew that I wanted to go into private practice, but especially as a movement therapist, didn't really know what that was going to look like. And as a social worker or clinical counselor, I needed to build up those hours and experience in order for me to be able to sit for uh, licensure to practice privately in the state of Illinois. So I very early on became interested in working with older adults and focusing on cognitive disorders, movement disorders. So I really worked in a lot of different geriatric communities. So nursing homes, hospitals, day centers, you know, memory cafes, and kind of worked my way up that way. So I got all of the hours that I needed and kind of created this niche for myself where I was providing movement therapy for individuals and their caregivers affected by these diseases, right? Like Alzheimer's mm -hmm. disease, Parkinson's, Huntington's, et cetera. And I always wanted to work with what we call just kind of our quote, normal neurotic population, right? Everybody has some <laughs> type of neuroses. Mm -hmm. You know, I knew it was going to take time to get there. And so eight and a half years later, I'm finally really seeing a bulk of my clients are just individuals who are really wanting to live a better quality of life are struggling with some mental health concerns, whether that's anxiety, depression, addiction, trauma, and talk therapy, although it served a, a great purpose for them, isn't enough anymore. Or they're still seeing these same patterns and habits play out and really need to get out of their head in order to re-pattern mm -hmm. and move through a lot of these places. So that's really a bulk of the work that I do now is really just using our mind-body connection, using nonverbal communication, which is a bulk of our communication to help people kind of get out of their own way and use their body, which I think is their greatest resource that's just really drastically underutilized. Right, right. I'm curious about the people who are brave enough to engage with one of you or your staff knowing that this is a dance movement therapy company, because I can guarantee you that the clients who come to see me would never even call you. <laughs> and I know that it's just they don't know. And like people are terrified of being in their body. And for some people who are traumatized, rightly so, because the body was a scary place to be. That's where they were really harmed. So I wonder if you can share with us kind of like, I'm sure there's no typical session, but what does it look like for people who might be afraid of that word dance? So you're right. There is no typical session. You know, I think we hear the word dance or even movement and we think, okay, there's going to be a prescription, you know, prescribed movement, like my mm -hmm. physical therapist would prescribe me. And if I work on those every day, you know, or right. every week, then I'll see the fruits of my labor, right? I will, I will be healed. And while an element of that is true, the movement really comes from the client. So yeah, although I think that's why as a specifically dance therapy practice, it has taken a lot more time for us to get going, right? To have like, yeah. 
you know, a, a normal caseload for that mm -hmm. very reason. People are afraid of what they don't know. They're afraid to be in their bodies and they're afraid of the word dance, which actually is oddly enough, oftentimes the last thing that we engage in. So right, right. Yeah. What normalizes it for them is when I say one, nobody knows what it's like to be in your body, but yourself. So it's really empowering mm -hmm. because it's not about me knowing more than you already know or don't know. And I think the second piece that really gets people is the fact that they understand that there is an element that is getting in their own way. You know, like I shut down parts of my body. I choose not to listen to my body. And the minute I say a combination of those, there's a light bulb that goes off. And oftentimes people are like, oh, that's what this is about. Why didn't I know yeah. sooner? You know, like <laughs> exactly oh, right. Because, yeah, me talking about it isn't always allowing me to do the work. So, and oddly enough, when I talk to people on the phone, you know, if like a consultation or an informal kind of education, like maybe this is for me, maybe not, I never use the word dance outside of the name of our company. Yeah. So they're like, I've been a dancer. I love dancing. I'm like, that's great. And let me tell you about movement therapy, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> yeah, it yeah. actually has nothing. We're not doing choreography. We're not exercising. Right. And I yeah. don't want to do a disservice to the dance therapists who are focusing on dance because there are a lot. And I do have many clients who really do enjoy the aspect that dance brings in. But I would say maybe 5% of my clients consider themselves dancers. You know, what it comes down to is that we're all movers and that we all yeah. experience the world in our bodies. And it's mm -hmm. up to us to tap into that for our greatest potential, you know, and to create change for ourselves. So, so yeah, that's not unusual. I mean, I've had the pleasure of going and speaking to a lot of different practices and really breaking it down. And I usually get a call or two after that of like, hey, I actually have a client that I think would really benefit from this type of work. Can I give them your information or what things can we start applying to our sessions that will allow them to kind of open up the idea of this mind-body connection? So that's not unusual. And I think, again, that's why I decided to advocate so passionately because there's just a huge misconception around the potential for movement in the therapeutic relationship. Right. I wonder if this is going to sound super judgmental, but I find <laughs> I find psychologists in general tend to be really focused on the head part. Yeah. And I wonder if you see any particular licensure pushing back on this more than another or any type of like, let's say someone is like, well, I'm a CBT therapist and I think CBT is the answer. And so your dancing is stupid or right. I'm sure people <laughs> don't say it that way, which please God, oh, I hope hey. they don't. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> I mean, so the first thing that, that comes to my mind is actually that most dance movement therapists also have other psychological areas of expertise. So dance right. therapy in itself, although it can stand on its own, it's paired with different psychological methodologies or different paradigms. Mm -hmm. So like I consider myself very person-centered and a lot of what I draw on is from Rogerian theory. So I'm always using that and then using movement as the intervention to help support the work with the client. So it's funny to me because not that we've had it put that way exactly, but yes, there will be DBT practitioners, ABA practitioners, CBT practitioners, family systems practitioners that will feel mm -hmm. that way. And the funny thing is I can say, well, it can be used in conjunction. You know, like my therapist is a family systems therapist and she uses the body to help facilitate interventions. So mm -hmm. it's not a one or the other. And I think once people start to understand that, it's like, oh, wait, so I can refer my client to you because you do cognitive behavioral therapy? 
but you incorporate the body, what does that look like? <laughs> you know, like, oh, right, right. Well, yeah. you can change your body's behavior to change your cognition, you know, or you can change right, the right. way your body thinks to change the way you behave. Mm-hmm. So oddly enough, I have not really had success with one specific area of psychology, but I think what's happening is many practitioners in the field are understanding that the body plays a huge role, especially after reading books like The Body Keeps the Score. Yeah, that's just Or different works enough. by Peter Levine, right? So, or polyvagal theory. And I think now they're like, oh, wait, the mind and the body are connected? Or, I mean, I just read a great book that talks all about how our emotions are embodied. Like, mm, what book is that? It's actually called The Molecules of Emotion. It's by Candace oh, Pert yeah, or yeah. Dr. Dr. Pert. It was a tough read. Not all of it's super easy, but it really hit home because it's like your emotions live everywhere in you and different receptors are responsible for that. And they're on, you know, the surface of your kidneys, the surface of your pancreas, you know, your second gut, your head, your heart. So it makes it more real for people that are thinking, well, I only think up here with my head instead of feeling like, no, no, I think with my stomach, you know, or I think with my heart. Yes. We're so conditioned to say, well, your heart can't think, right? But our body talks. It has its own language. And when people open up to that, you know, I found myself in sessions, say, very early on, I say this a lot because I I remember the monologue, the inner monologue of like, what are you doing? (laughs) What are you saying? (laughs) But a client recognized this part of her body that was really frozen. And I remember just blatantly asking if that part of your body could talk, what would it say? And that inner monologue was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what are you saying? She's going to look at you like you have five heads and she's going to walk out the door. And she no, looked that's at me. a question I ask all the time. Yeah. yeah, she looked at me. She closed her eyes. She thought about it for maybe yep. a minute. She opened her eyes and she said, it's lonely and it needs connection. And I was like, okay, this is where the work starts. So, you know, it's not about positions and plies and tutus and (laughs) as I see your ballet slippers behind you on the wall in my Mm -hmm. office Mm -hmm. but yeah it's just really about understanding our our body and our movement and that it's talking to us all the time and if we don't listen we give it no choice but to scream and yes it's a huge struggle you know and if you listen Mm -hmm. to it you Mm -hmm. might not like what you hear but working symbiotically you know or working in that cohesiveness is a lot better than working against it so yeah. I'm curious your your personal journey to becoming a dance movement therapist. I'm guessing that there is a, a history of dance. And yeah. then tell me the whole story. So, I mean, at the heart of it, I was at that crossroads of like, I need to find a career and I need to make a living. And mm-hmm. I remember in high school going to our you know local job fair and there was one dance career represented and it was a studio. And it was like, you can right. own your own studio. Right. And the thought of that just like really turned me off because that's not my forte. <laughs> I'm not, first mm-hmm. of all, I thought to myself, you don't have the technique yourself. How would you share that with others? You know, like <laughs> I don't want to be the one that tries to educate when I feel in a sense like inadequate about that on my own. Not that you have, I mean, I could have been the administrator and hired, you know, dancers to do that, but it just didn't seem right. And I was like, well, that's it. Okay. I could be a performer. I'm like, but again, (laughs) I don't, I don't have the heart in terms of, you know, showing up for an audience. It felt more anxiety provoking than anything else. So, you know, I kind of, 
I declared myself a dance major early on and went into college that way. Within the first six months, I'm sitting down with my supervisor and, you know, she's like, okay, next is lighting and costuming and staging. And I was like, oh, I really don't love that. Right. I was like, can I just take more classes? I just want to dance because that's where I felt free and expressive. And she was brilliant. She looked at my schedule and she said, I noticed you're taking psychology. How do you feel about that? Oddly enough, that's like such a cliche thing to say. But I was like, well, I feel, to be honest, it feels easy and not easy because it's like psych 101 Mm. and everybody said it was. Right. The professor is bringing up topics that I've understood for a really long time and didn't even know there were names to. You know, it's like finding out for the first time what deja vu is, you know, and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what that is. I experience that all the time. Right. So these concepts where I was like, wow, wait, not everybody knows what that is or not everybody's experienced that. So I said, I really like it. And I'm looking at taking more in the future. So she goes, I think you should look into dance therapy. And I was like, I don't even know what that is. Did you just make that up? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> It was fantastic. So she's like, no, it's a field that's been around for about 50 years. Mm. She's like, go home, look it up and see what you think. And so I did. I went home to my or I went back to my dorm room and I found the American Dance Therapy Association's website. Mm. You know, it still wasn't 100 percent clear. I didn't know what that meant or what it was going to look like. But basically that night I was like, okay. I'm going to declare myself a psych major, get my bachelor's in psychology, and then go on and get my master's in dance movement therapy. And Mm -hmm. that's what I did. I didn't really look back. So, I mean, that was really the very like direct route for me. I think as I think about it more and more, I'm like, what really drew me? Because I always say that it chose me, not the other way around. Yeah. And I think my whole life, yeah, I have used movement as a way to help me move through really difficult parts. Like uh, mm-hmm. I moved to Chicago in the middle of my high school career. And mm-hmm. I remember myself and my family like really fighting for me to try out for the dance department, which they had, which I had never mm-hmm. seen before. I was from Florida and the school that we were in, it had a palm squad, but it didn't have a dance department. So, you know, I had a hard time transitioning, really hard time being accepted. I was coming home and crying like every day for the first couple of months. And it dawned on me, like, if I don't dance, I don't survive. <laughs> like, yeah, I wasn't at the point, thank God, where I was like thinking of taking my life or anything, but it just felt like I had no options and I felt so trapped and imprisoned. And had I not been able to express myself through movement and make connections to myself through dance, that year would have been, I don't know. I mean, I can't even imagine what that year would have been like if I couldn't have moved. So that for me is the real connection. Dance was always there for me. And what it really taught Mm. me is how to continue to move through really hard places and how to be resilient. Mm. I really, really like that. And as you're talking, you know, I'm a singer. And so I have a relationship to my voice in that way that I feel like I've been able to express pain or joy or whatever it is through through my voice. And I wonder, like, I'm trying to see if this question even has words, but I can see you, you can do a movement. This is my movement. I We can deconstruct my dance phobia. I can tell you about that shortly. But I, I guess I'm just trying to think about how do you describe how dance moves these things for you personally? So oddly enough, I actually can kind of go back to that book, that Molecules of Emotion book, where it's like, I wish I could remember like how she says it, but basically like the smallest change within our bodies structurally reinforces that change mm-hmm. is possible. 
right? So our Mm. cells are overturning, our skin is regrowing, hopefully positive cell turnover is happening. Although, you know, there's Mm -hmm. malformations and genetic changes that we're predisposed to, right? That don't always Mm -hmm. end up favorably. So it's like on a cellular level, change is always happening in our body. And I think sometimes just being aware of that, knowing that your body is always changing, makes it possible to know that everything else can change. Um, Mm -hmm. Your behaviors can change. The way you think can change. Your moods can change because it's all connected. So, you know, sometimes just to give an example for my clients when they're like first starting out or trying to understand what this is, I'll ask somebody to just make a fist with their hand. And I'll say, I just want you to Mm -hmm. move from a fist to an open palm and back and Mm -hmm. forth and just reinforce Mm -hmm. that like you have created change in your body. And when you create Mm -hmm. change in your body, you create change in your mind. Like your perspective changes. Constriction, expansion, right? Exactly. There's so many metaphors Mm -hmm. for the body and and movement. So I think that at the very heart of it, once you get that tangible experience, it's very easy to see like how moving your body can change your mind. And that movement itself is a catalyst for change, is a catalyst for awareness, which we always say like awareness is the key to change. But if you're not Mm -hmm. aware of your body, how do you make those changes? You know, so oftentimes we hear breath, you know, we start with breath. But it's not, it's not just about changing the way you breathe. You have to notice your breath to begin with, how present it right. is, how shallow it is, how deep it is, and mm-hmm. know that it's in your power to make those changes. It's not coming from me. It's not coming from your therapist. Because again, mm-hmm. we don't know what it's like to be in your body. So I think to me, that's how movement and generally speaking, quote, dance helps reinforce this idea of resiliency, right? Like if I mm-hmm. can move through something or change my body, then perhaps I have the power to move through this divorce or this addiction or this deep, deeply seated wound, because Mm -hmm. it's very easy to feel trapped in that. But seeing that there's potential for change, I think is really eye opening. That's so awesome. My husband's therapist makes him dance. He's supposed to sing and dance every day. Okay. That's his prescription that he's been given from her. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder, because he tends to be a very, like, separated head body. Yeah. (laughs) I can speak to that. I was in my head most of dance therapy graduate Mm -hmm, school. mm -hmm. So Really? Really? I was. I was. I remember... And thinking back on it now, I think it's so funny. But one of my professors said, you know, well, when you go to therapy, like, who would you want to see? I said, I just want to see a talk therapist. I, I just need to talk. I'm a talker. Oh, my God. I know. And she was like, wow. wow, I think you're in the wrong place. And I was so offended by that. I was like, what do you mean I'm in the wrong oh, place? Boy. This is what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> and like 10 years later, I'm like, oh, my God. Wow. What was I thinking? I can't believe I said that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was like, wow, Uh because my therapist is a dance therapist. But oddly enough, Mm -hmm. we don't dance. I actually spend most of the time sitting on her couch. And it's more about Mm -hmm. referencing the micro movements, you know, or just noticing what's coming up. Oh, okay. Yeah. Are you feeling that? Are you tired? Are you loose? Like, what's what's Mm -hmm. happening? Mm -hmm. He can notice the shifts in my body that I'm not even aware of. So, right. Didn't mean to interrupt Mm -hmm. you, but like, yeah, I'm a talker, obviously. But I always thought that I would be a talk therapist (laughs) until I realized the power Mm -hmm. that the body plays in how we talk and how we communicate. So, yeah, I can relate to that. I mean, I was a total head, you know, floating head, head, walking around. Yes, yes. Yeah. So I can relate to your husband on that level. 
<laughs> yeah. When you talk about too, like noticing the micro movements, I mean, that sounds a lot like all the trauma training that I've received somatically mm. is that we're really, really tracking the body to see what's happening in different places. And NARM, what I've been training in lately, especially really talks about expansion and contraction. And the fact that both of these things happen all the time, and we're just supposed to notice them. We don't even need to necessarily intervene and make the change, but just notice what happens when you expand there is a natural contraction just because right. expansion is sometimes scary. Yeah. And I think, again, it's like oftentimes where people are like, oh, I can't go to dance therapy. I don't dance. And yeah. instead it's like, well, actually, we're, we're just going to highlight what you're already doing. You know, like right. we're just going to talk right. about what it's like in your body or notice. Like one of the mm -hmm. things I start with with all my clients is just some exercises so that they can notice their own habits and their own like movement vocabulary. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I'm providing these interventions, if you will, but there's no one way for it to look. You know, I'm not expecting to see a certain thing or I'm not writing things right. down, you know, secretly like evaluating your performance. <laughs> they move their right pinky, right, which right. means their mother was a bitch or something. Right, definitely <laughs> psychopathic, you know, like, no. Right, right. But no, mm -hmm. it's, it's like, what did you learn from that? What are you noticing? You know, and then for them to have that reflection of like, oh, I, I didn't realize how bound I was, you know, or I didn't realize what a control freak I was. But noticing it in my movement, I have a hard time letting go and I want to feel very in control of my body. I'm like, okay, that's really interesting. Let's talk about that. Maybe that's familiar. Do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I've had the opposite where people come in and they're so disorganized in their body. You know, they can't mm -hmm. settle down or they can't mm -hmm. focus or there's no direction. And knowing that we can start to bring that into the body as well. So mm -hmm. it's been really interesting and educational for me because the more I do it, the more I'm like, oh, yeah, I was not living this way. <laughs> I was not operating yeah. at a very mind body level. And it was a detriment, you know, because I keep thinking I, I wrote this the other day. I was like, my mind was kind of imprisoning me and using my body actually allowed yeah. me to, to feel free to move through places. I find it when I'm working with my clients. Like if I'm, mm -hmm. I'm thinking about something or overanalyzing something, which, oh God, I do too much of actually engaging with my clients in a session brings me back mm -hmm. to my body. And when I yes. leave, I'm like, wow, I've got some clarity now. Or I know that there's yes. a decision. Mm -hmm. I've created space between my anxiety or whatever I was worrying about I'm in my body and now I have created this perspective of like, do I want to go back and worry about that thing? You know what? I didn't do it for the last hour and the world didn't fall apart. So I'm okay. And now I can manage it because I have the, the space and the capacity to actually feel mm -hmm, what, mm -hmm. what needs to be felt. Yeah. I'm really curious your answer to the question of whether or not you consider yourself a healer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yes. I, know, I like have a hard time saying absolutely. <laughs> I guess because when I hear the word healer, I still think of societies, cultures from, from, I mean, some of these societies and cultures still mm -hmm. exist, but I think to that time where, you know, formal education wasn't formed yet and the healers of the tribes were, you know, the wise right. men or the, mm -hmm, the, the mm -hmm. elders even, you right. know? So to me, I'm mm -hmm. like, do I have enough experience? Am I a healer? You know, like, mm -hmm. I think I'm on my path. Or, you know, I mm -hmm. help people heal themselves, you know, or right, find right. the health that they're looking for. Mm -hmm. So I guess I'm still sitting with that because it seems to carry such a heavy responsibility. But I think in the most general sense, like, yes, as therapists, I definitely think we are healers for sure. 
I used to say I wanted to be a nurse. You know, I wanted to work in an ER. Oh, yeah. I don't know what I was thinking because I don't really do well with <laughs> physical. I, blood is fine. I'm great with blood. Blah, um, that's where blah. Other bodily functions don't really mm-hmm. sit well with me. And I thought, well, you don't have to clean up physical messes. Like, maybe you can clean up emotional mm-hmm. ones. And I think there's a huge healing capacity in that. So, yes, right. I'm going to say I am a healer. But I'm still sitting with that identity for myself of what that is and yeah. like how to come to terms with that definition. And I think it's all based on the way that we define some of these things, right? Mm-hmm. Like the term healer is very loaded. And a lot of people that I've asked that question to, you know, there's there's a sense of responsibility that comes with it. Or there's this feeling of, you know, I'm egotistical if I call myself a healer <laughs> right. and all these things. And if that's the way you define it, then that determines whether or not you push it away. And a lot of the time, if I feel like once we get on the same page about what healing is, and it's really us creating a space for the client to step in and connect yeah. with themselves, right, on the deepest level. And we just happen to have degrees that help us ask the questions, help us create the interventions in order for that right. to happen. Right. I was just having this conversation too about if a client wants to come in and say like, oh, you're just the most amazing therapist because I am just so changed because of you, that mm-hmm. doesn't feel good because that's the responsibility. And then that's them not taking agency for their own life. Yeah. So that's the part to me that I'm like, hmm, that's you. Like I just created space. I just asked you the questions. I just facilitated whatever thing and you showed up for the work. Right. As you were talking, I was thinking, I think I'd feel more comfortable calling myself a facilitator of healing, you know, because like to me that Mm -hmm. that's really what I'm doing is like you said, creating this space. Mm -hmm. We're providing the interventions. Mm -hmm. We Mm -hmm. are just really being present to the emotions and the feelings that are coming up. And I think facilitating the healing is what makes the work. And and it's about that therapeutic relationship. So it's like, well, it's really nice that perhaps you've never connected to a therapist this way before. And the way I'm facilitating the therapy is really helping you. But yeah, like, what have you done to get yourself to this place? Because I'm not going home with you. I'm not checking in with you every day. I'm not holding your hand through the process. We have so many clients that you give them the same information, but everybody's motivated in different ways. You know, so I'm like, here's a client that within two weeks, I was like, wow, you are really motivated to make this happen. (laughs) And in the same two weeks, another client with maybe, you know, similar information that Mm -hmm. has been imparted is like Mm -hmm. just as stuck as ever before. So I think anytime healing is involved, we can potentially call ourselves healers, but Mm -hmm. the work, yeah, is reflected in how the clients respond and how much responsibility Mm -hmm. they take on, you know, for me to just say, yeah, I'm a therapist, so I'm a healer, but have I seen healing, right? Like, have I seen people heal from the work that we do? Yes. So I think it comes down to almost like the experiences, I guess. And this is such a tacky way to say it, but I was going to say the success rate of therapy, you know, like, are you seeing our clients changing? Is there change happening? That to me is the the healing aspect. So yeah, that's a good question. I'm going to sit with that and be like, am I? Yeah. I know because the way I equate it is I automatically think to like ancient tribes where like, again, that healer is kind of the wise person. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't 
don't know. I haven't been on this earth long enough to be a wise person. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know that that's true. I think there's, no, you know, I... you've been in the field long enough that there's wisdom that comes with that, you know, and somebody's got to start fighting for these modalities and for this mind-body connection. And I really see you positioning yourself. I'm going to say this and it might sound shitty from a therapy perspective, but I mean it from a marketing perspective that you're positioning yourself as an expert, which is what we have to do. Right. So in that, that marketing listen, world. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so I really appreciate that. I appreciate Thank the you. way that you're showing up and it feels very fierce and passionate about this, this desire to really help people wake up yeah. and, and get back to their bodies. And I really admire that in you. Thank you. That really like, that makes me smile because actually how you put it was perfect. And I say this a lot when I'm talking to other professionals in my specific field is like, mm -hmm. first of all, when we use that word expert, it's often media induced, right? right? Because if you've had any opportunities right. in like media, they position you as the expert. And then I think it's very easy. And this has happened a lot where people will say, you know, you didn't pay homage to the founders. You didn't <laughs> talk about this. You didn't talk about that. I'll be the first one to say, not in the media because they don't know who those people are and they don't give a fuck <laughs> they're not there to ask those questions right? right so to be honest if marion chase was still around she's like our we call her the grand dame of dance therapy i hope she would be mm. in the media and then she could be the expert yeah. and i'm not positioning mm -hmm. myself to be the expert of it all but right, right. we kind of right. injected into this like we have this yes. expert with us and I've mm -hmm. stepped into that role because I'm comfortable in feeling like I know what I'm talking about. I can speak from my perspective. Yes. I feel right. like I have a very strong base for what dance therapy is to me and the work that I'm able to do with my clients. And that's where I speak from yeah. my expertise. But I'm always mm -hmm. mindful that I am but a cog in this like huge machine. Yes. I have only been practicing for 12 years and many of my colleagues have been practicing for, for 40 and 50 years, you know? So it's like, I hope that I get to the place where they are, but I don't want to wait that long for society to catch on to what we're doing. So it's a catch 22. It's like, yes, I may often be seen as this like, quote, expert and people are like, who is she? She's only been doing this for 12 years, but I see the work that has been paved before me and I don't want to pay disservice to them anymore. You know, so when the right audience comes around and I can tell them about the founders, I will. But, yeah. you know, your local news stations don't care. They don't have the time to care about <laughs> exactly. that. They want to know, like, what are you doing? Why are you here? Right. And what can our listeners or viewers learn from you? Right. So I appreciate your perspective on that. I really do. And I hope people listening understand that that word expert has really been toyed with when it comes to media. You know, I mean, look, we have lifestyle yeah. experts. What does that mean? What does it mean, right? Like, everybody's an expert in their right? own lifestyle, right? you know? So mm -hmm. just take it with a grain of mm -hmm. salt, you know? Like, and I have so many clients that are like phobic of the word expert, you know, where we talk about imposter syndrome. And I've experienced that totally. So, you know, just like healer, you got to sit with your own connection to that word expert. Well, and I think too that doing your own work, walking the talk, that helps me feel more grounded in, like you said, like I know what I'm talking about when it comes to addiction and shame and, and some of these other things that I am put in the expert role. And when I'm connected to it from an internal place rather than just this is what I do with clients, it feels more congruent to me. Mm -hmm. And honestly, like you're going to project whatever the fuck you want. Like I literally will go back and listen to every interview that I do. I just did one 
on Friday and I listened to it yesterday and I was like, okay, where did I fuck up? Where did I not explain things, <laughs> you know, right. clearly and whatever? Like yeah. we're over here trying to do the best that we can yeah. and, and trying to give a voice to these topics that don't always get a positive voice. Right. So I see you. And I, I think I said that on Facebook once. Yeah. I see you, I feel you, and I really support you. Yeah. Thank you. You too. Cause you do amazing work as well. And I think it comes down to everybody has their own perception, right? Everybody has their own mm -hmm, perspective. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just really valuable for people to remember that just because our perspective is out there doesn't mean yours doesn't exist, right? And yet it's so different from what we do in therapy because I don't spend my hours with my clients telling them my perspective. I mean, right. I can give an mm -hmm. idea, you know, I can say what I'm mm -hmm. noticing, <laughs> I'm wondering, right. but I'm not dictating like you would maybe in an interview, like want to exactly. feel better? Yeah. XYZ, this is what you do because you're working with a person, oh, not that. a screen, mm -hmm. right? So I think just because we are, are saying what we believe our expertise to be in those three minutes or however long it is, know that your expertise is valid too. And if anything, that's propelled yeah. me to try to push other people into the spotlight. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, I get it. Not yeah. everybody wants to be seen, but then write a blog, you know, or connect to mm -hmm. your local communities or your local organizations. Because, mm -hmm. you know, I'm in Chicago. I'm not looking to speak in Des Moines. I'm not looking to reach out to a local newscast in Mommy, Ohio. So if you are there, like, I hope that this allows you to feel like you have a voice and that you can yeah. advocate for our work too. And for me, it's like the more I've done it, it's kind of infectious for me anyway. It's like, yeah, yeah. I want to do this again, you know, and I yeah. can definitely... I, I kind of laugh, but I'm like, I think this is why Dancing with the Stars still works because stars still want to be in the limelight. <laughs> like they still oh, want yeah. people to see them. You know, I'm so you're sure. like, oh my God, I haven't done an interview in six months. I got to find, you know, like, <laughs> and just because you're not doing it doesn't mean that the work still isn't happening. It's okay to kind of step back, but I, I love trying to empower other, at least other movement therapists to do the work themselves. Like, great, thanks for sharing this interview, but you could do it too. You know, call your local news station right. or gosh, emails are readily available. Go on LinkedIn or, you know, do a Google search and you can connect to your local producers. Yeah. So, yeah, it felt necessary at first. And now it just sometimes feels like fun. So good. Good. Well, I hope you enjoy. They definitely want to get to the question about wounded healer. How does mm -hmm. that one sit with you? So wounded healer, I think is interesting because initially I was thinking it means that it's a healer who they themselves have needed or gone through healing, right? Mm -hmm. So I feel like in some respect, maybe all therapists in some level are wounded healers because we've all needed to heal from something ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that's maybe what's propelled us into working with others and wanting to help others. The juxtaposition for me is like, I see clients who use that word wounded as something that they can mm. carry with them and hold on to like that victimization, right? Or like mm -hmm. feeling like I've been wounded, I'm broken, there's something right. wrong with me. And I think on the contrary, being wounded just expresses that we're human, right? Like yeah. it's funny for me to say this because I'm a recovering perfectionist, but mm -hmm. you know, there is no such thing as perfect. And like when we're wounded- <laughs> I just we are, my pearls. Yeah, right? Like <laughs> we can- <laughs> We can learn from those experiences. Like if you don't mess up, if you don't make mistakes, not that being wounded is, you know, that we've done it to ourselves necessarily, mm -hmm. but 
you can rise to the occasion and move through it, mm-hmm. or you can continue to hide behind that. So, right, right. you know, to me, being a wounded healer isn't a negative thing. You know, it's not like, oh, I'm wounded and I'm going to help you heal through my wounds. It's, it's a sign of empathy, right? Like I've been through stuff too. And I've learned to move through it, maybe overcome some of it, or continue to be resilient through those really hard times. And I want to be able to meet you in that as well and meet you in your woundedness or meet you in a place where Mm -hmm. you can see that your wound isn't your limitation, you know, and if anything, it's kind of your superpower. From the very beginning, like the name of your practice, Head Heart Therapy, is such an embodied name. Mm-hmm. It's so perfect. You know, I was like, if Thanks. I wasn't so damn adamant about calling my practice Dance Therapy, maybe it yeah. would have been something along those lines, you know, of mm-hmm. like connecting the head and the body. So yeah. I've always appreciated the name that you gave your practice. I think it's really fits beautifully. Thanks. And you know what? It just kind of downloaded and my pictorial depiction of what a therapist is is a head and a heart tied together around a key that's beautiful yeah yeah so that was my thought behind it is the key is really connecting the head and the heart and in an embodied way yeah absolutely well let's tell listeners where they can find you how do they learn more about your practice how do they learn more about you where do they go sure so chicagodancetherapy.com and you can find out a little bit more about dance therapy there's some media clips there and also you know bios on some other therapists that you may want to work with instead of me (laughs) (laughs) or if you want just to connect with me personally or want more information about the work i'm doing uh you can go to ericahornthal.com and we will post all of that stuff so people can find yeah. it in the show notes. And I always say I have a love-hate relationship with social media, but I'm mm-hmm. on it and mostly for mm-hmm. a marketing business perspective. But you can look up Chicago Dance Therapy or Erica Hornthal, you know, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your time today. I really appreciate it. No, thanks for having me. This was amazing. And um, hey. yeah, I'm so glad we got to have a chat because I knew there'd be a lot for us to empathize and a lot of it would resonate across mm-hmm. across boundaries so totally all right thank you thanks so much erica for joining me today i really hope you enjoyed that interview as much as i did to find more information about erica you can visit us at www.headhearttherapy.com podcast and now the thank you roll thank you to the creative imposter studios for editing liam o'donnell for the album art and to ben mueller for our theme music thanks for tuning in until next time bye-bye